to the Pages of Light podcast, your destination for discussions of popular fantasy and science fiction novels from a Christian worldview. My name is Tyler, aka Verum, and with me today, as always, is Gabriel, aka the Quarantine Quartermaster. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, everybody. Good to be here. Great to have you. Um, yeah, make sure you guys follow Pages of Light on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, Rumble, Goodreads, all sorts of different things. So you can find us on socials and you can also check out our website, pagesoflight.com, where you can uh, I don't know, check out our blog. We have a, I'm going to maybe start doing a newsletter so we can start emailing out some content updates and stuff that's happening. So if you want to get your uh, name on the email list, uh, you can get on there whenever we start to use that in the future. Um, so today we are going to be continuing our discussion on Elantris by Brandon Sanderson. The last episode we did was specifically looking at a lot of the characters. There was a few tangents, of course, um, going down some bunny trails, but what podcast doesn't. Um, but today we're going to be looking at some of the other stuff that is not specifically character related. So we're looking at maybe the world and the magic systems and the different religions that are in uh, this book. And we'll just, yeah, take a look at what's in the book and then have some thoughts from a Christian worldview perspective on some of those things that we thought of as we were reading it. Um, yeah. All right. So let's just uh, jump in here. So we're going to start talking about just some of the, the story stuff within uh, Elantris and I think this book basically boiled down to at the end of the story becoming a like battle of darkness versus light because we have um, Elantris is really based on like <clears throat> light and drawing these aeons and making um, uh, just utilizing some form of light magic in a way um, that was kind of against the counterpart of this, which was the decor monks. And so at the end of the story, you had this like Elantrian light magic versus this decor kind of darkness magic. And so I don't know. What did you think about just any of uh, kind of the, the dark versus light kind of attributes of this whole story? Yeah. I was just going to say, thanks for saying decor monks, because I kept calling them the twisted monks because that's oh, yeah. how they were described. <clears throat> well, they're like and features on fights one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Man. He fights one with his battle axe, and that's oh, when yeah. we learn that the revelation. Um, yeah, he, he is the like the true, um, the rightful like, king, king of Teod. Yeah, that's right. And he's like he has his own like storyline about like being a pirate trying to fight against the rightful king. Yep. Um. But yeah, so. I'm just going to jump into power. So I feel like in this story, like you have the door, which is the power that um, people can access. Um, and and that's kind of like, you know, God puts things into the world and you can use them for good or for evil. Um, yeah. And it's just like, how purely are you using those things? Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um that the Elantrans are light. And I like how that they kind of, they, they do have an unnatural appearance to them. Uh, the yeah. Elantrians have the silver skin and kind of like the white hair. And, um, and they, they glow too. They're like a shimmer to their skin. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, it's like a city of gods uh, when Elantris is in its 
full bloom, so to speak. Um, and then we have the breaking of the system 10 years before the book starts. Um, mm-hmm. And we have the Rayadin and uh, Serini storyline and everything. Yep. What'd you think? <clears throat> I kind of, uh, I was just thinking of you describing uh, like some of the stuff in Elantris. And I just thought of uh, uh, in the movie Thor where, uh, <laughs> what's the city in Thor, uh, their home world? Oh my gosh! Oh, Asgard. Remember. Yeah, Asgard. I don't know how I can't, can I forgot that, but yeah, Asgard. I, I think I kind of imagine Elantris looking like Asgard, like that big golden, like, st- like steeple, like kind of thing. Oh, where it's like okay. very shiny and bright, and it's like a, like a, a monument almost, or it's like a, a light on a hill, and this is like it's like a beacon of hope, kind of essentially. Yep. Mm-hmm. I just kind of. I kind of picture Elantris in that way whenever it was in its in its heyday where it's just this like light and like everything is perfect there and the technology is amazing and people have magic to heal and nobody goes hungry and all these different things. It's like a paradise in a way. And um, we're kind of in this scenario where it's like uh, I've never read this book, but I've always wanted to. I think it's by John Milton, Paradise Lost. Where it's like we're in this now, we're in this like this fallen world, and we've lost the paradise that we had uh, previously. Um, and so that's like kind of the state that Elantris is in. It's like a lost paradise where it's we're trying to get back to its former glory and get back to uh, the way things were in the world and the way things should be in the world. It's like there's a like a like we're we're missing something in the world that. Uh, brings hope and peace and uh good things in the world and once elantris fell there was like this shattering of different nations and battles and all this these terrible things started happening after the beacon of hope was was destroyed essentially sure so i'm gonna jump in and talk about that because um i am doing a mastermind with um Mike Hatch and P.W. Gopal from the Blue Collar Money podcast, theories on middle-class investing. Uh, they're running a mastermind. And we we talk about investing in other people's fields. And um, what was really interesting was this idea of how much do you trust God? And like, do you live like a, a storehouse sort of life where you kind of build up your resources and like they're for you and they're like your safety net or do you have a trust in God where God lives and gives abundantly and it was talking about this mindset and I've never heard it described this way but like when you trust God and you just believe that um, good things are going like that you share your gifts and you like create um, fruit for other people that you have this abundancy mindset and I love that idea. Um, and I just think of the Aeon door is like, if we could access God's power, like as humans, we could live with the abundancy mindset because we could just generate the things that we want and need. And yep. that would take a lot of hurt out of the world. But, yep. you know, like we said, like you said, we broke paradise, you know, through original sin and we are no longer there. Yep. We were completely taken care of. And, and now here we are in the broken world yep. and we have to find the light. <laughs> yeah yeah definitely so pages of light pages of that light is. 
<laughs> subscribe <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and follow and follow um yeah there's kind of a sense where like this place that was heavenly like now becomes a hell in a way because you have like everything is now upside down of what it used to be instead of right instead of like being able to heal quickly now you never heal you know like you're stuck in your in your pain and suffering for eternity essentially and oh doesn't that sound oh <laughs> that reminds me of another uh version of hell that i saw on the good place listen to this every time you think to yourself it's hot in here it gets one degree hotter no that's terrible oh isn't that the worst to think about <laughs> what does it start at <laughs> what degree like like um like maybe like 60? 70 okay there yeah that would be uh probably wouldn't take very long for it to get pretty toasty yeah unless you like totally and like because as soon as you think about it oh oh yeah so <laughs> that just makes me cringe because i'm like it'd be a million degrees and i'd be burning up and that would be terrible yeah so glad to be saved <laughs> yeah but i think uh i think i like the just like the atmosphere of Elantris, I think it's a really good picture of uh, like the Bible's description of hell where there's just like eternal suffering and everything that happens to you is built around suffering. So like you stub your toe. Now that pain is with you for the rest of your life. Like you, you can't escape the pain and the rest of eternity. Yeah. The, well, your, your life is eternal. So yeah, the rest of eternity and then oh, you so have like bad. the you have like the people who are have like succumbed to the pain and they go insane and they're just like they just like lie in like these ditches and they're just like mumbling things and they have no like they're not conscious almost like they're just like these like wretches they, their who, their reality has like torn just because of all the immense pain that they're in yeah and they they just they just can't function yep yeah and don't want to it's be like there. everything good in the world is gone and all you have is your pain and suffering left and that's kind of like what hell is going to be like we're going to be separated from god and there's not going to be any good things in the place that you're at there's nothing because everything that's good in the world is that is comes from god right so if you remove god from the equation and the presence of him then there's there's nothing there to like redeem the the world or 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 hell and it's just all it's all pain it's all suffering it's all selfishness it's all just separation from and we see that manifest like here like on our plane of existence with people who live in broken houses and broken families and how that pain just leads to treating people the wrong way and it just you know um that's why i'm so thankful for the you know Part of walking with God is walking in community and yep. walking with people who are heading towards the light and pointing each other, saying like, hey, you know, we don't know how to do this, but we're always going to turn to God. Um, and people who live in a place that's divorced from God's goodness can find themselves in like dark and abusive homes. And, um, you know, as Christians, I feel like we're asked to reach out to those people and show them the light and bring them into a caring community. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what we're trying to build at church. Yep. Yeah, there's definitely a sense here on Earth where 
you can get glimpses of both hell and heaven because like we have the presence of God here on earth, but we also have original sin here on earth. So there's like always this war between uh, God's way and Satan's way. And so we'll see things in the world where we're like, oh, that's what hell's going to be like. And then we'll also see things in the world where we're like, oh, that's what heaven's going to be like. Or we see glimpses of what could be or what should be. And yeah, I don't know. It's I, I'm in the middle of building my own slice of heaven, surrounding myself with good people and and being generous with those people and like seeing what's going to happen. Because I know like we've bought our forever home. We're going to be here we are not moving <laughs> um, until you downsize because so, you can't get up the stairs anymore. Hey, first floor master. <laughs> oh, that's true. Solved. I forgot about that. Yes. <laughs> so you actually don't have to do that. Exactly. So we're going to be here a long time. Um, and so I just like, I want to, I want to build a place where people meet and congregate. And like, we talk about God and like, that's my, like Jenna's on board too. Like, we have talked about it and we've said like we want our place to be a place for people to gather because that's how you build the community in the church is you get together outside of church and you hang out and you do life together. And yep. so we think we're being called to to open our house to people and, and to make fun things for people to connect. Yeah, and for sure. And let God's light shine uh, through the connections that are made. Yeah. I mean, that's what like the local church should be the local church should be like a picture of what heaven will be like, where like you have the body of Christ coming together in unity and we're all united around uh, our faith in, in Christ and not divided and focused on who's better than other people or who's in power or all those things. It's like that, uh, that story in the gospels where they're, the disciples are asking like, Oh, who's going to be on your right hand or who's going to be in the positions of power. And Jesus is like, you know, you're not getting it. You don't get the, you're not understanding what's happening. You're all, you're all equal at the foot of the cross, you know? So sure. It's good stuff. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, yes. Yeah, so let's look a little bit. Um, some of the different nations in this world. So there's basically three, nations we have arlon we have teod and we have fjordan and uh arlon is basically like a i think the best way i could describe it is like a corporate monarchy kind of a thing because all of the people in power are merchants but there's still a king so it's like a monarchy in a way because there's um um there's heirs and there's like a blood line with the with the king um, but the people who are in power, it's your wealth is dependent upon how much or your power is dependent upon how much money you have. So that's kind of why it's like a corporate capitalist kind of structure, but it's centered around like a monarchy of power. So your wealth is your power, essentially. Um, yeah. And that's just so like human to do. Like, yeah, again, it goes back to trusting God, not trusting God not trusting God and building up the storehouses. Um, well, I don't know. You can build up storehouses if you're extre- if you're doing extremely well, right? Yeah, sometimes I mean, God blesses you with wealth and you can use that wealth to further his purposes in the world. Not saying we're not saying right. wealth is bad essentially. Right, right. 
money, uh, I'll go back to Dave Ramsey's teaching of money is amoral. It is yep. what you choose to do with it and how you invest it is, yep. you know. I mean, if you just look at your credit card bill, you know, anything you're spending over $200 on, you know, that is something that you are are valuing, yeah. you know, and if it's going out and getting drinks with people, you know, that's something that you value or if it's your books or yep. um, you know, whatever subscriptions you have, that's where you that's where you're showing what you value yep. is through your budget. And so you can either use that for um, good or for ill. It, it's just a you know money does is not good or bad. You it's it's all in how you use it and and the heart behind the way that you use it. Yeah. <clears throat> and I mean the only reason they have that system is because of the fall of Elantris, which is like I think in Arlon a lot of people worshipped the Elantrians as gods. And so, like, whenever their gods, like, fell, they, like, reverted back to, like, money is, like, the only thing that matters now. Like, whoever's got the money is who's got the power. So, it was, like, there was nothing left to, like, for them to put their faith in except their physical possessions in a way. So, I don't know. And a lot of people in our society do that, too. Like, they look to their, their, you know, for safety. If I have enough money, I am safe. And that can turn you away from God so fast. Um, yep. Just because. And sometimes it's hard to see God because we do like here in America and not in, you know, there's places all over the world. But sometimes you just live in a place with abundance and like you can be taken care of. Um, you know, we have a very rich nation. And like if you have every meal taken care of, you can go someplace and get food because you have friends and whatever like you know, you're being taken care of and it's like God's goodwill, you know, all things goods stem from God. But like, we don't learn to turn away from that stuff and look to the source of all goodness, which is God. We're just like, oh yeah, let's go to these parties and hang out with these people and experiencing the goodness of God without like actually turning to him and looking to towards him. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's Arlon. And then we have... Tayod, which is we don't really get a ton of info on Tayod. It just seems like a normal kind of monarchy, um, and that's this where Serini is from. Yeah, that's where Serini is from, and she sails down to Arlon to marry uh, Rayadin. <clears throat> One hundred or a millions of steps away, remember <laughs> oh, yeah. from last well, we should, time. We should have the looked up the. Hatch. We should have looked up the exact number. That's okay. <laughs> I'll put it in the description. <laughs> how many, put it in, I dare you put it in the description. I'll put in the description how many steps is it from Arlon to <laughs> Teod. <laughs> yeah. um, and then if you're a real fan, you'll leave a comment with what that number is as well. <laughs> um, and although we did get an interesting, we kind of talked about it a little bit uh, in the previous episode with Teod where the current king Avento is actually an illegitimate king because he usurped the throne from his brother. And I thought that That's was right. an interesting, there should be like a little short story about that or like a little novella if Brandon's ever bored because he doesn't have enough things to write. Um, if, he's ever, <laughs> if he's ever bored of writing, he could write a cool little novella about that uh, situation where uh, Kina, how did you, how did you pronounce his name? Uh, Serini's yeah, uncle, K I I N. I don't know how to pronounce that, but he's the actual legitimate Kian. Kian, I think. Kian. Yeah, I 
think it's Kian. Uh, again, I go back to I should have recorded all the names and given them to you. <laughs> That's okay. I'll do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. All right. Well, Always room for improvement. That's Tayod. And then we have Fjordan. Yeah, do you want to tell us about Fjordan? Sure. It's a uh, theocratic nation on Cell. Cell is the planet, and the people of Fjordan are a strict militaristic. Uh, Fjordan is a dominant country of the continent. About 300 years ago, their leader, Wern, converted to the Dorethi religion, and within a generation, all of Fjordan had done likewise. Uh, now, instead of sending troops across the continent, Fjordan sends priests, and so that's Hraithen and Dilof. Yeah. Um, and it's said that much of Fjordan's vast power comes from the conversations obtained or forced by these priests. So Fjordan is um, where Jareth, Jareth, oh, I can't say it. Jareth. <laughs> Jadith, um, like where he is acknowledged as God. Yep. Um, and that's where Hraithen and Dilof, you know, learn their religious ways. And then they're going into, um, not Tiad. I get the names confused. Arlon. Arlon, yep. which like borders Elantris, like Elantris is like. Yep. Just around the corner, like a, not very far at all. I feel like it's like a 10, 20 minute walk. It's, it seems very close to the city. Um, yeah, so I mean, the whole reason for the book uh, or the whole origin story of Hraithen and Dilof comes from Fjordan. And they're kind of like leaving that country and being the interlopers and trying to overthrow um, these other Mm-hmm. big countries yeah um yeah i mean there's that basically the main conflict is between arlon and uh fjordan just because teod is kind of like they're separated by sea so they're a little bit more um sequestered than the other two and mm-hmm. I think I think it basically comes down to it's like a religious war in a way, and it's not necessarily about who has like the military strength because it seems like there's not there's not really a lot of talk about how strong each of their militaries are. It's implied that Fjordan has a pretty big military just because they've conquered so many other um, like different countries and nations that they can just pull from a bunch of those other nations. Um, Yep, sounds like they're resource rich and they're kind of militaristic. Yeah, um, and the only reason Arlon was so powerful was just because Elantris was there. But now that Elantris is gone, then Fjordan's like, "Oh well, let's just we'll just take over everything and we'll just become, we'll just rule this whole kind of area, and our religion will be um, the way the way it is." It reminds me of like the Crusades almost, where like, yep. Christianity religious and, manifest destiny yeah christianity <clears throat> christianity and islam are like we're gonna conquer the world and everyone's gonna be our religion kind of a deal and i don't know i think that's an interesting interesting premise where it's it's too like very religious like everyone here everyone in this world is religious we don't really get a lot of there's no like atheists are there in this book i don't really can't remember anybody who would identify the saying like they don't believe in any god 
Yeah, he didn't really <laughs> write about that in my reading of the book. I don't think I recall that, but I could be wrong. Could have been mentioned. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's just interesting to see how the the different religions play off of each other. We talked a little bit about in the previous episode, um, like the the sermons that Hraithan would give and how Sereni would poke holes in her in his sermons. And there's a lot of like religious philosophical debates um, in the different stories, whether it's Hraithan uh, talking to Diloph about strategies for converting nations, or it's Sereni talking about how to poke holes in Hraithan's sermons. There's just a lot of interesting little details and stuff um, thrown in uh, in regards to that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Any other thoughts about just the nations, or we can probably just move on to the uh, to the magic systems here. So we're yeah, let's jump into the magic along. system. Magic system is pretty cool, in my opinion. Um, what did you think about how it compared to the Warbreaker magic system? Oh, good question. Um, so, first of all, I just want to compliment Brandon Sanderson on the size of his brain. Okay, <laughs> to build a whole solar system with yes. different magic systems on each planet. And they each are specific and they have their own rules. And, like, I don't know what the future holds, but I feel like <laughs> it's going to be some sort of cosmic event in you know involving these things. So, first of all... Hats off to you, Brandon Sanderson. Nicely done. Um, so I think it's very interesting to compare the systems here where we have um, the Aeon Door. So, there, so you can draw power from the ether, and uh, it's like the door, and you have to find a way to access the door. And the Elantrians do it through the Aeon Door, which is they draw these symbols, and it creates the... They can tell use specific symbols to draw specific power out. And then we go over to um, Warbreaker, where everyone's born with a breath, which in our um, first uh, two podcasts, we discuss how the breath is kind of like a soul. And then like you have the power to give your quote unquote soul away to other people. And so you have people who've collected souls and you have the God thing who has like tens of thousands of souls and is capable of like crazy big time magic and then you have people who have like the third heightening and they can uh have like perfect pitch and so you know i feel like they're all accessing power that's behind the quote-unquote veil and they each have they access it in in different ways um and then you have Diloph with the decor magic and so there's always like a perversion of like what God intended to be good. Humans yeah. are very good at finding like the perverse way to, to do and pursue something. Um, and I even think that there is magic in the world um, that there are people out there gaining access to things through dark rituals and stuff. I think there is a perverse way to yep. um, take what God has given to us for good <clears throat> and, and turn it to ill. Yeah, and, sure. uh, and then again, like, you know, you think about dark rituals and stuff they usually involve sacrifice um you know and in the old testament we would sacrifice uh sacrifice animals and stuff and then god comes and saves us through jesus as the ultimate sacrifice um so 
the sacrifice is made to gain access to that power and Jesus makes the ultimate one. And then we are all filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, so yeah, I mean, compared to Warbreaker, um, again, just, I, I just find it fun to read through the different <laughs> magic systems and learn them and, and to think about them. Um, what do you think, Tyler? Um, I'll say, how about if you, if I had to, if I had to pick one for myself to use. Oh, okay. Let me see. I think I'd probably do the, I think I like the Aeon, the Aeon door better than the mm-hmm. Warbreaker. Um, you have to be a breath collector in the Warbreaker. Yeah, you gotta universe. collect them. Um, and you have to catch the Sheode. That's true. You can only, you have to become an Elantrian oh, oh. before you can access the the Aeon door. Although, yep. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Well, you can access, only the Elantrians can do the Aeon door maybe, but you can still right. access door via other means. Like the decor right. people aren't, they're not Elantrians, but they can access the door in a different way. It's more of like a, a sinister blood magic kind of way where they have to like mutilate their flesh or they have to kill other people to Isn't that gain what the power. king was doing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. We didn't talk about that. Oh, my podcast. gosh. That yeah, yeah. scene where he's like, yeah, yeah I'd, like I'd he's, he's like buck naked in yeah, front yeah. of like all these other priests Doing, like, and these, stuff. Well, he's sacrificing his servant girls oh yeah that was, that was so weird i was like curveball where did this come from yeah i know that was crazy <laughs> yeah and and like you know people believe that stuff and like i don't know if they can actually like make things happen but like i believe that they do and yeah yeah it's just it's just crazy so um, I feel like the Aeon door is a gift, you know, like they can access the power of God and, and like they mm-hmm. seem like gods because they, they were like caretakers and they took care of people where yeah. the decor it talks about getting their power through like pain and torture and complete, you know, obedience and it yeah. twists the body and it twists the minds of the uh, the decor um, monks yeah. that come in the final siege against the city yeah for sure um yeah so if i had to pick one to use for myself i'd pick the aondor because i just i like the idea of like uh <laughs> drawing like weird symbols in this in the in the air and then like having the um uh like the whatever the power it is take place i think it's really interesting too how you can have like the the base symbol that does X thing, but you can also like do additions onto it to make it more specific or more intricate or have it be more powerful in some way. And there's a lot of different interesting little things that you can do uh, with the magic system. That is uh, like, you could maybe discover new things with it. And um, can we just talk about how cool Rayodin was Uh, like, learn. So like he has the fight with uh, Diloff and he like summons like a ward uh, to protect himself and uh, through the decor, um, you know, Diloff shatters that and he's yep. able to attack. But it said like, you know, he's like he had six seconds to make the symbol. So he's like yeah, frantically yeah. drawing <laughs> like to fight against this guy who's got like a sword. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was kind it of a funny like, image. It does seem a little impractical in like fighting scenarios, though. Yeah, but it's like <laughs> but like that's on. their magic. I mean, that's just like how they have to do it. You know, yeah, it's, it's like it's just hold on for one second while I draw this symbol. Like it a fair fight, please. <laughs> 
Yeah, right. exactly. Um, and then, like, uh, Rayadin has to pretend he's not an Elantrian to gain access to um, Serini in the in the town. Um, so he, oh, yeah. like, attaches... He's like, um, a, like a, an illusion. Yeah, an illusion. And they're, like, paired to his undergarments, so yep. he can, like, change so he, them. So he can take off his clothes and replace them, but still keep the illusion, yeah. And then, like, he can... He had to extrapolate, like, what his face was like. He was like, I told my magic to use my Elantrian face as a base, and, and then, then, like, I tweaked it. And, it was yeah, just, yeah, yeah. and I was just like, wow, that's, like, very interesting. And then, like, you can change faces by, like, taking off a piece of clothing and then the enchantment or the illusion yeah, it, underneath it. comes it. with you because that's tied to that piece of clothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's similar how the you Bartimaeus, can do... Oh, go ahead. In, in the Bartimaeus trilogy, they call it a glamour, like okay. making something appear different than what it actually is. Sorry, okay. continue. Yeah, I was going to say it's like in Warbreaker where you can attach your breath to specific articles of clothing and have them do certain things. It's like a oh, similar do the awakening. Th- yeah, do the similar thing where you can attach an illusion to a specific article of clothing and then. Yeah, like you can change the clothing. I don't th- you can't like get the magic back, though, but there's not like. The Aeon door doesn't have like a limited supply. It looks like because that's yeah. that's coming from within the world, whereas the breath is coming from within yourself. Like you have the breath, and it's not you're not pulling right. it from external sources. Yeah. So and the 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 wheel the Elantrians who wield the Aeon door, which means they access the power, which is the door, which is the light through drawing these symbols, the Aeon door. Um, you know, that's just like, um the unlimited power that uh, God can offer us and they can just like tap into it immediately. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, abundancy mindset. I go back to that. Like they can be generous because they have access to so much. Yep. Um, actually, I just thought of this. I thought, I think it's like all of the symbols are associated with certain words or phrases or like, certain things and that just made me think of how like words have power like in the um, oh they do mm-hmm. like in uh john at the beginning of the book of the gospel of john where it's like um the word was god and the word was with god like god is the word and his words have power in the bible is like a it's all like the the holy scriptures and they they have powers to change the hearts and souls of uh men on earth and I think that's like kind of a parallel where like the the symbols you're you're writing represent specific words and those things have power in the world. I don't know. I just that's thought, right. thought of that interesting parallel there. I like to think of it this way. I like to think of like one of my commitments to God is to tell the truth. Um, fanatically honest person. Um, and... It may it does make you you know the Bible says that you should be slow to speak, and when you are communicating and you have a goal of only communicating truth, yep. um, it makes it forces you to slow down. Um, 
And I've also done this to the extreme where I've become like an uninteresting person to talk to because I didn't want to lie. And I'm trying to like get back my personality and still be incredibly truthful at the same time, which is weird because like I don't know where to draw the line on like joking and stuff and like wrestle with that. And like in the end, I think God wants us to be happy. So I think, you know, you can joke around and not tell the truth yeah, um, because you're making someone happy and, and they know it, you know. I think um, it's more of the like, heart behind the... Like, if people know it's a joke, it's not necessarily, like, a lie to, like, deceive someone. It's more of a... Yeah, and, and like, it's it's a lie for, like, a moment. Like, um, you know, like, did you do that? And you're, like, you give them this, like, look. You're, like, yeah, I did it. And then they're, like, ah, ha, ha, you know, that's funny or whatever. Yeah. But, like, I, I like to think about it this way. I learned from Stephen Covey. I mentioned him in the last podcast that um, that making promises to yourself and committing to that and then like when you promise to other people to follow through of that i feel like when you do that you are weaving truth into the universe like if you say something and you like the bible says let your yes mean yes and let your no mean no yep. and when you commit to that way of living like i'm not going to like i'm not going to commit to something you know count the yeah. uh, the cost of the tower before you build it lest you get halfway through and everyone makes fun of you like yep. the more truth that you um cuz i've seen lies break up a marriage like lies about where people were and what they did and you know hiding stuff and yep. lies are the work of the devil and yep. the more lies that we're telling the more easily he can creep into our lives uh even with little white lies um, yep. and so i think that what i like to do is i like to just be incredibly truthful and i try i think that when i'm being truthful and i tell someone i'm going to do something I am weaving consistency into the universe, which is to counteract the entropy, the falling apart, the breaking of everything that is just natural yeah. um, because we live in a fallen world. Everything is falling yep. apart that man makes, you yep. know, we want when when God's stuff is left alone, it thrives. I mean, think about this planet when it started before all the human expansion. Glorious yeah. place. <laughs> yeah, um, there was a quote in this book said by evento i didn't write it down but i'm pretty sure i I, i'm gonna get it right it says something like um people um the truth will always win like even if people forget it or something like that it's like this idea that like the truth can be hidden for a certain amount of time but eventually like the truth will always win and i mean that's like that's like an encouraging thing to think about just because there's so many lies in the world that are perpetuated by people in power or, you know, people that, you know, personally, or, and just, you know, there's just lots of lies everywhere. And it's, and, and lies lead to brokenness. Yeah. Lies are going to break people. Um, if you tell lies, if you're, you know, being told lies, they, they're just hurting people. And, you know, whenever you're communicating with people, it's all about a balance of grace and truthfulness because um, you don't want to some people like to like really smack people with the truth. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get this person. I'm going to put <clears throat> them yeah. in their place. And yeah. then we have to have God's grace to say, how can I tell this person what they need to hear? But yeah. like tell it in a way that they're going to yeah. receive it and not like shut down to like, me. Like tell the truth in love. Like don't 
beat them on the head with it so they feel bad but like say hey this is the way you should be acting or this is the actual truth of what happened or you know but not in a way that they feel like they're like they can't get back up i guess well i think one of the deepest needs of human beings everywhere is to be heard and to be understood um a lot of people act with rational motives and they think they're doing the right things. And sometimes they just need to be heard out um, before they can adjust to any other way of thinking. Because yep. when someone knows when someone knows you enough to know exactly what you're thinking and you know that, you can relax because like, okay, they know what I'm trying to say. And now I can actually hear and receive yeah. the words that they're ready to give me. Yeah. Um, with this whole thing of truth, it reminded me of, I don't know if you've read any, uh, Jordan Peterson's stuff, Jordan B. Peterson. He wrote a book called 12 rules for life. And, uh, yeah, I haven't. um, yeah, he has a second book as well. It's called 12 more rules for life. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, they're over there somewhere on my shelf. I don't remember where, but ah. somewhere over there. Um, I haven't read the second somewhere book. in the pages of light somewhere over there. Um, but he has one of his rules is tell the truth or at least don't lie. So it's like this idea of your goal in life should be to tell the truth as much as possible. But maybe like when you can't tell the truth, you just, you don't lie to somebody directly. So oh, yeah, like that's probably like a good mantra to have where it's tell the truth if, if as much as possible. And if you can't maybe do it, then, just don't lie to their face and just maybe sometimes the best thing to do is just not say anything. And sometimes that can be yeah. the, the best thing to do. And that is actually biblical advice because the uh, proverb says like, if you don't know, don't open your mouth. Cause you will like, yeah. you might look the fool if you don't open your mouth, but as soon as you do open your mouth, you will reveal how much of a fool you actually are. So yep. the you know proverb says, just be silent <laughs> yep. on certain issues, and, and then that's where wisdom comes into play. When like when do I be silent and when yep. do I need to speak up? Um, yep. Yeah, I don't know how we got on that topic, but um, <clears throat> we're the king of side quests. Yes, that's right. Well, it's like the whenever the king made those sacrifices, like after that truth came out, like he he hung himself, and it's like the truth. The like, truth was revealed. The right? truth was revealed, and it, like the lies were destroying people's lives and the people that he Human killed, obviously. Sacrifice. And then it was it eventually led to his own demise, and it also led to like a more in, unstable country because the king was hiding something that was very sinister so and that's and that's what it means to live in a fallen world you know yeah. um and that's why it's so hard you know it's difficult to be a christian because the bible wants you to trust and uh we live in a place where you know i think about other countries and people in poverty and um marginalized groups and how they have gotten hurt and beat down so much, it's hard for them to trust. And again, you know, we talk about cyclical thinking and how yep. it's kind of just reinforced over time. Um, so we got to deliver hope and uh, spread the gospel and, and um, but do it in a way that people can actually receive it and, and not, yeah. you know, 
the apologetics piece of it. Yeah. Not the, I remember when I was at Penn state and we had these uh, people just yelling that like all these college kids were going to hell. Um, and then like, I tried to talk to the, like, I pulled one aside and I was like, Hey, can you explain this to me? And she's like, you don't understand. You don't understand. You're just, you're going to hell. And I was just like, what, what are you talking about? Yeah, like, I don't know. this is not like, uh, you know, this is not God's love here. You yeah. know, I did not feel that from that group at all. Yeah. They were just like, like that's a case of like, sometimes like street preachers like the fire and brimstone kind of people oh sometimes, there was a street preacher <laughs> sometimes maybe like the the actual words they might be saying have some level of truth in them but the way yep. they're presenting it to people is such a turnoff that it's doing like the message of the gospel a disservice because you're not delivering it in a way that is digestible for someone and you're not building like a relationship with that person so you can actually sit down and have a conversation actually share what the truth of the gospel is. And instead of making it like a repent or die kind of a thing, it's like, like, look at what Jesus did for you. You should want to accept his gift. And so it's more of a, you're accepting it because out of gratitude for what he has done, instead of accepting it out of fear for what will happen, there has to be like a balance between that where it's like, you're, your gratitude for what Jesus have done and a healthy fear of what will happen if you don't accept Jesus. But they're like completely on the, the fear end and they have none of the, the grace and gratitude end. And that's just like, you have to have like some kind of middle ground there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's why it's hard to be, you know, cause when those are the people who get like press time and stuff, <laughs> you know, it's just like, yep. Christians are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, actually, speaking of that story, that actually leads us pretty well into the religions because we have um, basically two religions in this book. There's Shu Korath and Domi. Domi, he's like the god of the Arlon people. And then you have Jadeth, who is uh, the god of the Fjordan people. And so we learn that the, the Fjordans and the the Jadeth people, specifically Dilaf and his uh, perverse monk people, are oh, yeah, all they're like monks. basically out to just commit genocide on the people of Arlon and the people of Teod because of their fear of Elantris. So they they also know that the power of the Elantrians is tied to the land. So their thinking is, if we kill everybody in the land, then there won't be any Elantrians anymore. I guess it makes sense, but like, that's pretty, uh, pretty dark, man. So, I don't well, know. And, and you know what? I think you said it when like people, you know, I had this uh, situation where I had one teacher saying we needed to have the kids have like instruments during music time. And I had another teacher saying it's not developmentally appropriate because like, if they're trying to like do the dance moves, then the, the musical instruments are actually hindering them because they're trying to like do stuff with those, but they're also trying to do the dance move. And so there, there was these two units of truth. Yes. Like the musical instruments got people pumped up and they got excited. And then also true, like 
they couldn't do the dance move as well because they didn't know what to do with their hands because they were holding things. Yep. And so like people come at things and they are, you know, you can see truth in other people. Like people make what they think are rational decisions and they might be blind to something that you're seeing or vice versa. And yep. uh, that's why you have to kind of like, you know, God coaches us to be humble in an approach to people and say, like, what do you know that I don't know? Like, that's kind of how I, you know, Stephen Covey, um, seek first to be to understand, then be understood. Yep. Um, like, I just think that's a great way to interact with people. Like, I think, you know, more than me. Let's let's talk this out. Yeah. And I think um, <clears throat> Harathan was more of the mindset where like you can have debates with people and like have intellectual conversations and deal off was more of like the, no, you can't have any conversations with these people because they'll never understand. They'll never accept the truth, like the, the truth of my religion. Therefore they just have to die. So there's like, (laughs) there's like the two spectrums there where Hraithan is like, we could actually talk to them and actually convert them for real or the you can't convert them they just need to die kind of philosophy and that's i don't know that's so that's like a clash with even within that religion just by itself and then you had the the domi there wasn't a ton of information on the other side yeah it was mostly about jedith i would say it was mostly about about jedith though but there was that one uh priest i think his name was uh omen he's the guy who like he would go on those like long rambly sermons and he would like forget where he was. Oh yeah. I remember that guy. <laughs> and he, uh, Serini went to him for like counsel that one time, I think. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that is the only time I actually remember that being brought up in the book. <laughs> he also went and talked to Hraithan on top of the Elantrian wall and asked him some questions about his faith. And he kept asking Hraithan, um, well, I think he only asked him once, but then Harathan would keep thinking about the question. He asked him, uh, where is your, where was, you, where have your, where did your faith go? Like you used to be a devout uh, believer, but now you're not a devout believer. You're just like going through the motions essentially. And that's where Harathan yep. kind of has the crisis of faith where he's like, am I too logical? Do I just believe like, because it's, like the logical thing or do I actually have passion and uh, fervor for what I believe? And am I actually um, like, am I believing with like a, a sense of, of uh, mission and purpose or am I just like going through the motions essentially? Yeah. It's like uh, the argument mm-hmm. of like head versus heart, like yeah. knowing something with your brain yes. and uh, knowing something and believing it with your heart. Yep. Um, I remember hearing a story about a police officer who um, I think this was in and forgive me if I'm wrong, but uh, it's this cold case Christianity. Oh yeah. Jay Warren Um, Wallace. And so he talks about, I think this was the story in that book about trusting a bulletproof vest. Like he was in a situation where he was going to get shot. Like he knew like that trigger was going to be pulled and a bullet was going to come at him and hit him in the vest. And he had to say in his mind, like, I believe that in my heart (laughs) (laughs) and like convincing, you know, there's a difference between believing it in your head and, and knowing it and like living it out. Yep. Um, 
And I think that's what he was struggling with. And like most Christians, we have struggled with that question. Like, like I can go to church. I can say the things that they're saying. I, I can know what the pastor is going to talk about. But has it dropped from my head down into my heart where I'm living in obedience yep. and I'm trying to find my way in Christ? <clears throat> yeah. And I think the only evidence you have that it is that it has moved from your head to your heart is how you live your life. It's like if you have all the head knowledge, but you don't actually do anything in practice, then I don't think you actually believe it because if you did believe it, you would, your the way you live would change. Um, <clears throat> I think it's the Holy spirit would bring you to life and call you to God to yeah, be it's, obedient. It's that passage in um, James, I think it is where it's like faith without works is dead. That's not to say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good quote. That's not to say that scripture works is what gets you your faith. But if you do have true faith, then you will do works. It's not like you can't be mm-hmm. a Christian and do nothing because that's not possible. Like if you were a true Christian and you were actually converted and believed and you had the Holy Spirit inside you, then you would be doing uh, some kind of works that would show proof of your conversion. And yeah, so I think, and I think people struggle like trying to find that too. Like, yes. um, like finding what is my calling in life and, yeah. or what things know. can I do to like show? Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's a struggle that a lot of Christians have too. Um, yeah. and I mean, it's just, it's just about seeking God. If you seek God long enough, um, he will reveal himself and you will start to know him more and more. Um, yeah. And then you will find people to walk with you when you're ready to walk with other Christians that, you know, they won't be hard to find and you'll find some that can really, yep. you know, disciple you and lead you in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. I think having some kind of Christian community is certainly like an absolute necessity whenever you become a Christian, because if you're just a Christian and you're all alone, then like the only voice you have to listen to is your own and you don't have anybody else who's challenging you or to be better or to um, maybe give you a different iron sharpens iron. Yeah. Iron sharpens iron. And like, you need other people in your life to like push you and, and uh, give you a desire to uh, like be a better Christian and to be more obedient and uh, like be sanctified. That's the, the churchy term to be more like Christ. So, and Christian community is what kind of helps you along in that sanctification process so that you can, um, the more you obey, the more you become like Christ and the more that you can, um, emulate what he would do in the world. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I'm going to, I'm still in this mastermind, um, with, uh, my catch and PW Goble from, uh, the blue collar, um, podcast and blue collar money podcast. And they had an order of influence, uh, kind of like you get your scripture and your time with God through four different places. And I'm going to, uh, they say that you can get it through a rabbi, which to me, that means listening to a preacher. Um, or I even consider CS Lewis to be a rabbi or a mentor because when I read, mere Christianity and let him speak to me. Like I'm being led by him. Yeah. And then another place of influence is scripture, right? If you go into the word, you can kind of hear what God said. Yep. And then community. 
which is like what we were saying, walking with other Christians and sharpening our faith and then also being led by the Holy Spirit. Yep. Um, so I didn't know um, how to take that. So I wrote my own definition with um, Pastor Chris uh, the other day. It's a, and this is what we came up with, living out the words through behaviors and being responsive to the Holy Spirit when it tells you to do something basically for God's glory. Mm-hmm. Um, where would you see yourself, um, Verum? Where would you see, do you get most benefit, like learning from a rabbi or scripture or community or being led by the Holy Spirit? What do you think about that for yourself? Um, and our listeners should do this activity too. What do yeah. you think about? That? Leave a leave a comment down below in YouTube, yeah. or send us an email or something. Um, I think pr- probably Christian community or um, just reading the Bible. I I don't really do a very good job of like having quiet time and like having dedicated time like every day or every morning or whatever it is to just sit Mm -hmm. down and read my Bible. I've been doing better at it recently, but historically I've been terrible at (laughs) just spending time with the Lord by myself and in prayer. And, um, well, think, I'll commend you for knowing scripture because you're busting out James and <laughs> other things. And I'm like, look at look at Tyler go here. Yeah. This is good. Um, but like, I feel like the more that I just sit down and just read my Bible, like it gives me more of a more of a like a passion to like live the way I should live. And it's like the, if you don't read your Bible, you can kind of just like forget about like how like being a Christian in a sense, like you just kind of like live your life like a, like someone who's not a Christian and you just kind of go about and you don't really think about, you know, like how is my, how are my actions impacting other people? How am how are my actions um, affecting how other people perceive God or perceive other Christians? Because people know I'm a Christian, but if I'm acting in a way that's unchristian, like then I'm being a bad ambassador or a bad representative for, for for other Christians or, and for just, christ so and then like the with the christian community that's when you can have other people who are around you who can encourage you and who can uh maybe call you out sometimes if they see something what that you're doing that's wrong or um just stuff like that so yeah, i think it's, it's reading Matthew your bible that and you should go directly to the person yeah go directly to the person to start off for sure and yeah i think those probably those two things will be because yeah. those are like two they're kind of two separate things. Like one is something you can do alone by yourself. And then the other one is with the body of Christ in a way. So, um, yeah. So I'll just share with the listeners, um, a practice that I have, um, in case you're listening to this podcast to be kind of like discipled and, and walked with God. Um, so what my personal, when I'm in a routine, I'm very good at consistency and my routine was to get to work 15 minutes before I had to be at my desk. And I had 15 minutes in my car and I would read the verse of the day, just one verse. And I would like just kind of let it sink into me and try and say, like, how can I live out? I love Proverbs. <laughs> I will never turn down a Proverbs <laughs> study because they're short, digestible um, yep. and applicable. I love it. And it's and it's the book of wisdom. Yep. Who doesn't want to learn how to be wise? Um, yep. So 
like I'll either read the verse of the day or like I'm going through Proverbs. So I, I like take 10 minutes to like read the verse, think about it. Uh, if I have time, I'll actually write out a whole reflection on it, like a paragraph or something. Um, and that's just 15 minutes a day. Yep. And when I'm, when I'm spending that time with God before the craziness, so there's craziness when I wake up, I've got to do the dogs, I've got to do the cats, I've got to pack the lunch, I've got to get out the door with my work clothes on. And then like when I'm at work, I've got to think about like the students and what's going to happen today and plan out the stuff. But that little pocket of time, I know if I show up early, yep. I like my responsibilities at work don't start for another 15 minutes. I just yep. sit in my car and do it. Um, so if you're if you're looking for an easy entryway into yep. kind of getting into scripture, that's that's what I do. And I can recommend that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that was some good stuff there. Just talking about <laughs> religions and how we can be better, just better Christians and live out our faith better. Um, yeah, we're kind of running up on probably about an hour here. So let it uh, just jump into some closing thoughts on just the book Elantris and just what were your thoughts? Did you like it? Did you not like it? What'd you com- how would you compare it to Warbreaker? Did you like that one better or worse? Sure. The same? Um, okay, so I really enjoyed the book. I, I am um, like when I go see a movie, like there's it is very rare that I'm like, oh, I didn't like that movie. There's always some parts of yeah. so, like so I usually just focus on the positive, and yeah. I just think that there's so many good things about this book. Um, I I loved it. I love this concept of like this thought experiment of like, what if when I injured myself, it never healed. Um, that is just like yeah. a crazy kind of mind experiment to think about. Um, and then compared to Warbreaker, uh, I like the magic system and like, you know, it, it's, it's polished Brandon Sanderson. It's good stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I just thought Warbreaker was a little bit cooler. Um, more progressive with like the awakening stuff. Still those command words though. Grab things. I'm still on the <laughs> fence about those. Okay. Um, but yeah, you said they need to be in like Elvish or something. <laughs> yeah. Just to it kind of, I don't know, dress them up a little bit. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, but anyway, it wonderful adventure. Looking forward to reading more Brandon Sanderson. Um, enjoyed the characters. Um, and I particularly like now that I think about Kraithen and his big red armor and oh, yeah. him just, you know, being <laughs> part on. decor monk in the one arm. So like in the deal, deal like attacks him and it like hits his. Oh, yeah, I was, his I was just going to I was just going to say that. I love and that. He's like invincible with that. He's like, that's real armor. <laughs> he's like, yeah, it's real armor. I wouldn't just walk around here for, with for show. But like, there's yeah, a few people. I, that I do nothing that. for show. Yeah, I think is what he he's says. like the he's like the true believer. He's like, I don't know, I I don't know. He, for, he's for me, ready. Yeah, he is ready. He's ready. He's like that at all times. He's like that. Be like person on on guard or something. I don't remember what book that's in. Maybe Thessalonians. Yeah, be vigilant. Yeah, like stuff. The like be ready. The time could come at any time or whatever. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I really did enjoy this. Not so much for the like the the overarching story of what was happening, but I think I just really enjoyed like the characters and and hearing them talk about things. And um, 
I especially enjoy the ones with Rathan and Diloff about just how they come about like their own religion. Cause they're both in the same religion, but they're both coming at it from two different perspectives. And I think that can be really helpful for like Christians who are, cause there's tons of different perspectives within Christianity about X, Y, and Z and a million different things. And like, you can still be Christians and be, have disagreements on certain things, but like you need to be able to, uh, like have those discussions in a productive way and not try to like tear people down unless it's like a heretical doctrine, obviously, but within like some things like you can still have disagreements and still be Christians that love each other and are brothers and sisters in Christ. So yeah, I think that was really good. Um, Brandon is a really good writer of characters and character arcs and showing like the flaws in characters, but also showing like the redeeming qualities that each of their characters have and seeing like this as his first published novel. And then seeing like what comes later in his uh, author career. Um, yeah. I could just really tell like, like his foundation is characters and um, like mm. writing good character arcs. And yeah, I mean, the other books maybe are a little, probably a little bit more polished and the writing is a little bit better. The dialogue flows a little bit better. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I thought I can really tell like the passion he has for his craft um, in this book. And um, I'm sure a lot of the stuff like, cause this this is like a lot of religion stuff in this book. And I'm sure like he grew up in like the Mormon church. So I'm sure a lot of the stuff that he was thinking about was coming from personal experiences that he may have had. So yeah. yeah, I just thought, yeah, it was really good. And I would probably still recommend Warbreaker as like an entry point for Brandon Sanderson. And then like maybe read this one a little bit later. Like I'm pretty far into reading Brandon Sanderson. Um, so like I uh, wouldn't have a problem of getting through this book. But I will say I owned this book. This is I think this is the first Brandon Sanderson book I owned. And when I first started reading it, I stopped about a third of the way in because I was bored and I just, yeah. I didn't. And then I sat on my shelf for like a ton of time. And now I'm finally picking it back up again after I'm a few Brandon books in. So this might be a good book for like more of a seasoned Brandon reader. So maybe read Warbreaker and then Mistborn, the original trilogy, and then maybe come back, come back to Elantris. Um, you might have more appreciation for it because you're also a little bit more into the Cosmere stuff and you have more, you're more invested in hearing about those uh, stories and those connections. So, yeah, I'm yeah. having fun with <clears throat> Warbreaker being the entry and learning about the Cosmere. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a fun ride so far. Definitely. All right. That's going to do it. Uh, those are our thoughts on Elantris. Uh, if you haven't watched or seen or listened to part one, you can check that out on our YouTube channel or in your podcast app. Um, the next episode I think is going to be, we're going to do the two little short stories slash novellas that are also set within the Elantris universe. They're called the hope of Elantris and the emperor's soul. The emperor's soul actually won a, I think it was a nebula award for like best novella. Um, so, and actually a lot of people cool. say that's Emperor's soul is the best entry point for Brandon Sanderson. So oh, we can, uh, have a conversation on that just cause it's really short too. And you can get a taste of like how Brandon writes and 
and it's an yeah, award. That's pro- that probably is a good way. To it's get an award-winning for, novella. Like, so. Younger readers and stuff. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, we'll give you our thoughts on that whenever we do that. Um, so hopefully that will be in two weeks from whenever this goes up. That episode will drop. Um, yeah, so stay tuned for that on the website, on YouTube, on social media, on all those different things. Um, our website's pagesoflight.com. Um, you can follow me on parlor at I am Tyler Thomas and Gabe, where can people follow you again? Your website, check out neighborhood services.com. And, uh, I think I am going to go with the slash QQ cause that'll just be easier for people to remember than sure. typing out quarantine quartermaster. <laughs> you should have two URLs, one that says QQ and then one that's like the full quarantine quartermaster. And then you have like some special thing for the full URL oh, because they were, sauce. cause they were dedicated to type out the whole. Yeah, name. that's cool. I like that. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. So you can check him out at neighborhoodnerdservices.com. And links for all of these things will, of course, be in the description. And I will try to remember to put in the amount of steps it takes to get from Elantris to Teod in the description. Oh, yeah. You called uh, it out. You got to put it in. You got (laughs) to weave truth into the universe. I will put that in a description and you guys can uh, comment that as well. Um, yeah, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, share it with your friends, uh, tell somebody, one of your friends, if, tell they're, somebody. if they're a Brandon fan or if they're just a fantasy science fiction fan or if they're just a Christian and they want to hear people talk about their favorite books uh, from a Christian worldview um, so more people can hear about this and more people can hear about uh, the gospel. Um, yeah, thank you for listening. Remember to keep reading and we will see you guys in the next episode.